All right, man. <clears throat> God is uh, speaking a lot this morning. Just as I was worshiping today, making sense of some of the things the Lord's been speaking this week and, and earlier this morning as we were reading and the scriptures that we read today that came from uh, the daily uh, Moravian readings this morning and the New Testament, Old Testament passages and the song that we just sang. And uh, So I got to make sure everybody's awake this morning. Y'all awake? All right, not just physically. Well, some of you, I know you're tired, so... I'm going to encourage you that, uh, to wake up in your spirit, man, just to be ready because, uh, man, I've just, I just had this moment with God where I feel like he's been pressing in on me this morning that we're not really ready to hear this message. So you take that for what, for what it's worth, uh, wherever you are. If you're, ready, if you're not ready, get ready to receive the message, not just to hear the words, not just to stay awake, not just to endure. But there's a message God has for us every Sunday when we come together. There's a, there's a message that I've been fleshing out for two weeks now that, that I, I want you, you guys, that God wants you guys to hear because it's going to make a huge difference in the way we move forward as a church. Every time we come together, the word that has, God has for us as a body is, is hugely significant. Not because I speak it. Not because I'm passionate about it but because I am God's angel for this church, his messenger for this body. And I am communicating to you what God has given me for you this week. So even if you came here today by accident in your mind, you were here as a part of the church to encounter whatever it is that God wants to say to you and to make whatever adjustments by the power of his Holy Spirit that need to be made in your life in connection with what he says. So here's what I'm going to challenge you with. I'm just going to tell you some things I'm thinking, okay? And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide these things that it will hit you between the eyes if this is you. So if you came here today in order to uh, maintain your spiritual duty, don't. Stop. I mean, stop. Don't, don't stop. Don't do it. Stop. Okay? You have no spiritual duty in the kingdom of God. All of your duties have been taken care of by Christ on the cross now in his perfect life. He's looking down and saying, you, uh, you know, Satan is whispering in your ear that you don't go to church enough and God is saying, you have totally met all the requirements for church in Christ. Okay, so if that's you, don't. Do, however, get your mind's attention Focused on what you're about to hear and your heart's affection. Let, let your heart's affection be moved to God by who, who you discover today in the message because he is a God who promotes passion. He is a God that promotes passion in us. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want uh, our duty. He doesn't want our ought to's and our should's and supposed to's. He doesn't want our spiritual religious junk that, that, that leads to nothing. And some of us, our lives are full of that. So if that's you, that hits you between the eyes, make the adjustment. If you're here because you like sitting next to the person next to you or the people that are in this body, I'm glad for that. But don't. This is not for you. This is not about you. We've already had that discussion. We're not going to take God's house and God's time and turn it into something for ourselves. If you're looking around to see who's here or if the right people are here or whatever, if you came here because you're looking for a cool church and you're checking us out, and we have some new students here today, or, and we have some other adults that are here today checking us out. Don't. 
It is not about us. It's not about being in the right place. It's not about you finding a, a cool place to be. It is about God and what he wants to say to you today. So don't. Let that, just let it go. Don't feel guilty. Just get rid of it. Now's the time. All right? Whatever it is, it's hitting you right now. I don't know what the Lord wants to say to you. If, if you have never woke, uh, awakened in a service and really heard God speak ever before when I've been preaching and teaching, don't do that today. It's not about me. It's not about me being heard. It's about this message that God has for our church. I'm going to share some things at the end of the service today that there's some, some heightened passion in me right now about this body, this particular body in this particular community. I'm concerned about us, and, and, and this word is a word we need to hear and apply today. So I'm going to watch you today. And I'm going to say it again and again if I have to. It may take us two hours to get out of here. But I, I thank you for that. Whoever that was. that Russ? No. Who gave me that amen? <laughs> Who gave me that amen? All right, Hal. Thank you, man. Hal's been gone for two weeks. He needs some. He's been offshore on a rig for two weeks. Um, man, whatever you got to do, get this message. Plug in. Make it solid, all right? Let the Lord speak to you today. Apply this message, because he's saying it all morning. He's saying it. He's saying it in the scriptures that we read. He's saying it in the songs that we sang. It is literally about us knowing him in such a way that we are, that our hearts are full of passion for God. That's what he desires from us. We're not there. It's okay. But let's let that be our goal. Our goal is not to show up in this building. It's not to be with the people as much fun as you guys are to be with. It's not about being with the people. It's about knowing God in such a way that that, that that love and passion that we feel for God runs out of us like rivers of life and goes out into a community that desperately needs to know more than the dead religion that they're living in right now or the dead passions of their flesh that they're trying to use right now to fill that void that, that, they, that will never be filled by anything but a passion for God and a deep love and appreciation for his person and who he is. As I was praying for, well, this, this has come up three different times, this theme, this, not, not exactly this passage, but this theme of, of being filled to overflowing has been, has been uh, coming up numerous times in my time alone with God. I read it to the Rustin group this week because I felt like it was for them, but I'm going to tell you this morning, there's no doubt it's for us as well because it's exactly what, we're, what we've been singing and reading and what we're about to speak about this morning in the, in the encounter that a woman has with Jesus, two women have with Jesus, and the response of people. But it's John 4, 14. It's not on the, on the wall. Just listen to it. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus spoke this to the woman at the well, the poor, powerless lost and lonely he spoke it to her that the water i have to give will become in him a fountain of springing up into everlasting life what did she say give me that water is there at least something inside of all of us this morning that says give me that water is there is there is at least something inside of us that finds ourselves even though we might have been here pursuing the wrong things all this time that finds ourselves dissatisfied empty you know, we've been drinking, 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 and there's nothing. 
You know, drinking church is not going to satisfy you. Drinking religious activity of any kind is not going to satisfy you. Drinking uh, good works is going to be is going it's going to nauseate you ultimately. And we need to regurgitate that stuff out and let God fill us with His water. This is what whoever it was that wrote this. I didn't even write it down, but this is what the devotional said that morning. Continue to be filled in the sweetness of your vital relationship to Jesus will flow as generously out of you as it has been given to you. Was Jesus saying to stay focused on the source so that you may be blessed personally? No. You are to focus on the source so that out of you will flow rivers of living water. Irrepressible life. Then he asked the question, Is it excessive to say that rivers of water will flow out of one individual believer? Through the history of God's work, you will usually find that he has started with the obscure, the unknown, the ignored, the poor and powerless, the lost and lonely, but those who have been steadfastly true to Jesus Christ. Another devotion I read on Wednesday. Charles Spurgeon said this, Wells are dug and then the rain fills them from heaven. And then he goes on to describe the fact that, that all we do in our disciplines is we're just digging wells. We talk about having a quiet time. What is that? That's not filling the well. That's digging the well. When we come to church and we're sitting in worship right now, we, we do our whatever we do here, our singing and our listening intently to the word and applying what we hear, that is not filling the well. If you think that that's what's going to fill you up, you're missing the point. This is digging. Being here is digging. Showing up is not filling. Showing up is digging. There's gold to be had and the gold is what the Spirit is going to speak to you this morning. It's how the Spirit's going to adjust your life today so that you can know God in, a, in such an intimate and passionate way that ultimately you will, you will leave behind every other pursuit in life unless it leads you to know Him more. And that doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher. It means that you're going to, be, you're going to work offshore and you're going to be passionate about the, the one that's filling you every day and that you're overflowing into the roughnecks that work around you. Right? So let's get that right today. Man, God's been speaking it over and over again. Abiding, blessing, committing to community. Our ABCs. That's digging the well. We're digging the well. Why do we abide? Because it's a, we're digging. It's not easy to dig. We have to get our shovel out. We've got to put it in the hard ground. In most of our cases, really hard ground. And we've got to try and dig. And we don't feel like digging because we're tired because last, yesterday was a hard day at work. And, and everything's falling apart in my life, and so I don't feel like digging. Dig, because when you dig, you get in your quiet time, you pray, you read the Scripture, you let God, you give God the opportunity to fill that well up. The well's got to be there. So fill it. That's our, our efforts to dig so that God can fill it. And then God's going to fill. That's what he does. And not only is he going to fill us, but we're going to be like Jacob's well. You know, I thought about Jacob's well as an illustration. Jacob's well provided water for Jesus. 
right? And it was a well dug a couple thousand years before he was born. And the well that we're talking about, if we will just dig and let God fill the well, let him be the water, then that will fill us to a point that that turns into everlasting life. That's the well that runs out of us, that you can't stop it from running. It flows out of you because you're so excited about who you know. God, God loves that. Jesus was all about promoting passion. He didn't want us to just follow rules. He wanted us to, to have a passion for him. And he, the scripture is very clear that God works in us to will. He, he works in us to change our passion, our heart's desire. That's why he took out our heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh, is to work in us, to give us a will to love him and to know him and to desire him. And there's nothing about God that we will discover by experience through obedience that ultimately is not going to cause us to love him more, to passion, be passionate about him. And ultimately, that that's not going to make its way into how we relate to others in this world. <clears throat> Love the fact that our passages today came from a man after God's heart who said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. Look at all he's done. This is who he is. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He doesn't hold our iniquities against us. He forgives us of all of our sins. I love the fact that Paul gives us the same description in the New Testament. How can we be arguing over disputable matters, things like Minute, the minutia of theology, not things that make any difference, things that are not clear. We're going to fight about that rather than, uh, than just enjoying and rejoicing in all that God's given us and thanking him for everything that he does for us. And, and whatever we do, we do unto the Lord. Why? Because that's what we're about. We're about him. We're not about each other and being right. You know, so, so it doesn't matter whether you eat. If you eat meat, sacrifice the idols, do it unto the Lord. If you don't, do it unto the Lord. Why would I not eat meat, sacrifice the idols if I'm free? I'm, doing it because, I'm not doing it because I want the Lord to use me to bless somebody who's offended by it. So I don't eat in front of them. And, well, I'm doing it unto the Lord. And when I'm eating in the privacy of my own home, enjoying the meat, sacrifice the idols not in the presence of anybody that's offended, then we will do it together unto the Lord and rejoice in Him in it. It's all about knowing Him. It's all about being so enamored with Him that we don't have time, we don't have any desire to be lost in all of the silliness that most of us have spent a lot of our time being lost in. I need to get into the passage and preach. But I hope you're drawn in. I hope your heart is ready. I hope that you will discipline yourself today to dig right now because it's going to be easy for your mind to wander, for you to go to sleep. Some of you are tired, you're weary, whatever. It's going to be easy for you to just go get into your normal church mode. And some of you, maybe it's just your mind goes into some other world while I'm preaching. I'm going to challenge you today to hear the word of the Lord. Make application to your life. John chapter 12, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 1 through 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha, of course, served. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Now, before we go on in this passage, I just want to stop there for a minute. Here is a woman 
really a family, who is passionate about the, the intimacy they have developed with Jesus. They are passionate about him. They know him. This is the place where Jesus goes. Every time he comes anywhere around Jerusalem, he's going to end up in Bethany at the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. We know of past experiences that they've had with him. The scripture speaks about and the intimacy that they shared with Jesus. And Jesus cared for them. The only time Jesus recorded in scripture is found weeping. He is weeping. On behalf of these, these three people, he loves them. He's passion, they're passionate about him. They are serving him, loving him, giving, uh, giving him all that he needs. They, Martha, don't think Martha didn't learn her lesson the last time, that she was too busy serving to, to do what, need, what was needed. She understands that now. and She's serving because she loves him. She's doing this out of service. She is not going to be reprimanded in this passage. Somebody will. We'll find that out at the end. Mary, who is, is known as being a, a woman who just, she, she's already shown us. All she wants to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. She loves him. She's intimate with him. She, she just loves him for who he is. It's all about who he is. And she takes her, the best that she has to offer, her perfume, and she pours out a pound of this perfume on Jesus. Why? One is she knew that she would be accepted by Jesus. She knew that she would be accepted by Jesus. She was his friend and had numerous experiences with him where she was accepted. She had also found approval earlier when she sat at his feet and others were not doing that and she was made to feel guilty about not doing something but instead just being a friend of Jesus, just trying to know him and to hear from him, just building her intimacy with him. She was, uh, she was reprimanded by her, her sister who wanted her to be busy helping her with the work. We shared that already and how that, that's the way we are. We are all about, let's get the work done. Let's get the work done. If you love Jesus, you'll work, work, work. And he, Jesus says, no, intimacy. Build a relationship. The work will flow out of a heart who's passionate for me. So Mary got that. So she knew that he would accept her. And then she found support whenever she neglected, in this case, her social, or in previous cases, her social responsibilities and followed her heart. So she knew she could do that. She also poured it out because she just loved Jesus passionately. And she shows it. She had no concern about earning something from Jesus or about, for pouring out her heart to him. She had no concern about how he was going to respond to this. She knew he would accept her gift. He, she knew that, that he would accept the passion behind her gift and the love behind her gift. So she just pours it out, and she has no concern about anything else. She's just expressing authentic love for Christ. Man, that's so good for us. We need to, we need to express what authentic love for Christ we have. And if we find that our expressions of love for God is not really love for God, then so be it. Don't express those anymore. It's silly that we should try to do something to express love for God when it doesn't come from love. Does that make sense? Why are we doing that? Let's stop. She was also determined to express her love to Jesus while he was in town. You know, we've talked about this so many times, but when Jesus is walking by, so many things happen, but he's always with us. Express love to Christ while he's in town. He's here. He's present. He's with you. 
She also didn't care about religious or social standards, and we're going to see that in the rest of this story. She didn't care whether everybody in the house uh, was approving of what she was doing. She just pours it out. Then she also gave her best of her, possess- of her possessions, number one, in love for, her, for him. She pours out this perfume, uh, it, which is the best that she had to offer. She didn't pour. She wasn't cheap. She pours out a pound of this expensive perfume on, on the feet of Jesus. So she pours out the best possession that she has. Where's your passion? Let's check our passion real quick. What do you do with your possessions? How much time are you spending maintaining your possessions? How, how much time are you spending uh, hoping for more possessions? Why are you in school, students? Are you, are you trying to, to finish school so you can go have a lot of stuff that you didn't have growing up? I did. That's why I had to spend three and a half extra years in college because I spent two years trying to be somebody that made enough money to have possessions I didn't have growing up. What, what are you spending your time on? Is, it, is all of your time, energy, focus? And again, I know it takes money to, build, to, to live in the house that God told you to buy. I know that it, it takes money to, to maintain uh, your electric, electric bill, your water, and all that stuff that God has given you to, as a responsibility. I know that. I'm not asking that. I'm asking, where's your passion? Are you, are you buying the house because God said buy the house and because you, you get to know God in the process of buying the house and, 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 you, and it's all about knowing him and you, as a result, come into a deeper understanding of who he is through buying that house and, and then it's paying your bills, really just another way for you to get to know God. It has been for me once I finally realized that he was my provider, that when it looks like there's not enough money in the bank account, God comes through. Because my passion is him. It's not to, to pay bills. If your passion is to pay bills, talk to me after church. I'll invite you to supper this week, and we'll, we'll, we'll work through that problem. I'll send you some professional help. But, it, but we act like it is. Man, our passion should be to know God. She had no care uh, about anything other than giving the best possessions that she had. Is your house God's house? Is your car God's car? Is your recreation God's recreation? Is your food God's food? Pick it. Whatever you, whatever you spend, whatever you own, is it God's? Is it committed to, have you committed that to a deeper knowledge of who God is? She gave not only her possessions, she gave all that she had of herself. I love this. Even if she didn't have any possessions, she's found on the floor pouring out her possession, and she, then she starts wiping, uh, using her tears to wet his feet and wiping them off with her hair. If I have nothing to give, I have myself. And isn't it interesting that when Paul tells us that we are to make sacrifices, to be sacrifices, that he doesn't say, I want you to give me a bunch of sacrifices, a bunch of your time, or sacrifice a bunch of your things. He says, let your bodies be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto me. That's your spiritual act of worship. So that we should give ourselves. So you might think, well, I have nothing to give, so I'm not worried about it. Yes, you do. You have yourself. Now, here's what I want to point out. All right, here's a woman who is passionate about Jesus. She, she is pouring it out to him. She has no awareness 
of what's going on around her. She has no concern about anything else because she is enamored with the person that's in the room who came to town, who she loves deeply and knows well. That's beautiful. But I'm going to show you something that the Lord showed me this week. Out of her life now is going to flow rivers of living water. I don't know how this discussion or how this information got out into the town. But it got out into the town, probably through the disciples who had been reprimanded, who will be reprimanded at the end of the story. But the word gets out into town, and there's a prostitute that somehow gets the word. This is six days prior to the Passover, and I think it's two days prior to the Passover that this woman has an encounter with Jesus. She makes an encounter with Jesus. She goes to him, and I think it's obvious that, that because the stories are too connected, scholars have, have tried to put everybody in the same room, and just, it's just, you just can't do it and be true to what the Scripture says, in my opinion. You know, one happens in Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. The other one happens in Simon the leper's house. So one happens where the disciples are there. One happens where the Pharisees are the problem. And, and, and it's just that there's a lot of the days are, are off. So I, I'm convinced that, that these are two different encounters. But it sounds exactly the same. Here's why I believe it happened. I think out of this woman who was poor and powerless, who was lost and lonely, you know, Mary who found her, her whole purpose and meaning in Christ, that she had had this encounter with him. She didn't care about anything else because her passion was full and it was flowing out to Christ. Her heart was just poured out in actions, in possessions, and whatever she could give, she gave. That word got out into town. And this prostitute who was lost and lonely and poor and powerless and used up and been trying to fill her life with the wrong kinds of things, trying to be satisfied, to fill that void, that emptiness, that, to try and find that passion in something else, to fill it in something else. She hears the word, and here's what happens. Luke chapter 7, 36 to 38. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, or at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that, it, that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the, with the ointment. A prostitute walks into a Pharisee's house when, he's having dinner with, when Jesus is having dinner with them. So he's in town. She knows about it. She hears about this, uh, this man who will accept her for who she is. She had heard about Jesus, and surely she had heard about Mary's example. She had heard that, that, that he accepted passionate love. That, she, that he accepted a repentant heart who, who had tried to seek out everything they could in this world and found themselves coming up empty. And, and she had heard that he would accept somebody like that, that as she turned away from her sins, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that she wasn't just repenting by turning away from something, that she found finally heard of somebody that she could turn to, a somebody that would accept her and not ridicule her, would not put her down or, or, or cause her to have to rise up to some level of works in order to be accepted, that she was, as she was, she would find acceptance. And all she knew to do was what Mary did. And so she was ready to take the risk and go into a Pharisee's house, uninvited, 
She acted on what she heard about Jesus. Why? (laughs) She knew that he would accept her. She also was not trying to earn anything from Jesus. She just was, was going to him because of what she heard about him. His character was so what she'd been looking for. He was the one that, would, that she'd been looking for. He was the answer to all the questions that she'd been asking. He was the fulfillment of all the pleasures that she'd been seeking to fulfill that thing in her heart, that passionate desire that would never be fulfilled with the things that she had been trying to fill it with. She saw in Jesus, so she was determined to go there, and it wasn't to earn anything from him. It's just to find somebody that would accept her for who she was, somebody that wouldn't ask her to do something in order to be accepted, somebody that would say, I love you, and I want something. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you the water. She was determined also to express love to Jesus in response to his acceptance. She walks in, he accepts her readily and allows her to pour this out in such a way that it was offensive to the Pharisees that were there. She didn't care, though, about the religious or social concerns. Just like Mary, she didn't care about all of that. She gave the best of her possessions in an expression of love to him, and then she gave the best of herself, just like Mary did. Y'all, I don't know any better way to express that than what I just said. Are we there? Are we, have, we, have we come to the end of ourselves? Have we come to the point of realizing that all of our searching in this world, first of all, and the pleasures of this world, that all of that stuff, whatever it might be, things that, that feed our pride and, and feed our flesh, you know, whatever, not, not, just, not just drugs and, you know, and alcoholics. And, I'm not talking about our, you know, sexual sin. I'm talking about anything in your life that is stealing away your life and you're trying to find pleasure in it. A lot of times, man, today it's more recreation. It's what we do with those cell phones. It's what we do with our TVs and the time we spend uh, in all of that stuff. I'm not saying that stuff is bad. Everybody get that? Say, oh, yeah. I'm saying, is that what we're trying to feel? Have we come to the end of those things as far as feeling that passionate void, that, that emptiness in our hearts that will never be filled with anything but a, a, a knowledge by experience of who God is? Through our own experiences with him, coming to him, and, and turning from all of that stuff and saying, yeah, I, I, I want you more than anything in the world because I know you accept me, because I know that, that you don't require anything of me, that, that I'm coming to you. Or some of you, maybe you're still trying to, to be good enough and you're, you're trying to have the right major, you're trying to have the right uh, theological bent, or you're trying to have the right, do the right church things and activities in order to be accepted by Jesus, and, and, and you're, you're finding yourself coming, it's empty. You know, I've, I went to the top of working for the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville, trying to pursue something to fill that void. And I got to the top, and there was nothing there. And I'm so glad to be here, to be in this little community, in this little church, and this, you know, with these, with you little people. You know, he just called me little. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so, man, it's so fulfilling to just. Be, just, just be pursuing God. And if you didn't want to pursue God, it wouldn't matter. I'm going after God. I, I mean, I have, I have discovered in him what my passionate heart was looking for. My, my void has been filled, and it is continually being filled with, with deeper knowledge of God by experience. I'm going after him with everything. It doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. I don't care. Some of you are going to be like Pharisees, and you're going to be judgmental. I don't care. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. 
Some of you are going to be like the disciples. I don't care. I'm not going after you. I'm not trying to please you. My purpose is not you. My purpose is I, I'm done with that because I found somebody who has filled my life with water that I want to flow out of me to you. You can drink of it if you want to or not drink of it. But my, my prayer for you is that you will. Now, let's look at the responses of these passionate expresses, expressions of love and intimacy that these two women had. Before we do, here's the two things that we're looking for. Number one, or two reasons why we're looking for it. Number one is when we gain this type of passion for Christ, we can expect these kind of responses that we're about to read about. We can expect these responses. I get them all the time. Y'all with me? If you're passionate about going after Christ and he becomes the goal of your life, you can expect there are two responses we're about to read from these two stories. Get ready for it. Be ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. I had to pout and whine and complain and cry and not sleep at night because so-and-so didn't like me or so-and-so just judging me and they didn't appreciate me. Forget about it. Go after it. All that stuff is going to pale in response to what you're going to find. Second thing is we need to check ourselves and our own response to people who are passionate about Jesus. We need to check our own response to people who are going to go after God in illogical, let's just say stupid ways. Because this does not make sense in this story. Neither one of these ladies makes sense. They're they're in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. It does not make sense even by spiritual standards. And so just get ready. That, that if you're going to pursue God, uh, I mean, if you're going to be around people who are going to go after God, if you're going to be at the gathering place, then, then I hope that you're going to be offended and you're going to find yourself judging until you get over yourself because people are going to be so full of Jesus and so in love with him, they don't want to talk about all the junk that you might want to talk about. I hope, that, I hope you find that to be true. So get ready for that. Luke 7, 39, first response. Here's the Pharisee. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would, ha- he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Anybody ever get that response? There's our religious, uh, super fundamentalist, conservative folk who say, I'm going to hold on to all the rules and I'm going to judge everybody based on those rules. We live in them. We have been them. Most of us, I have, we judge people. And we judge people that choose to be involved with sinners. I hope that we get judged for that. And I hope that we find ourselves passionate about Jesus enough that we will hang out with sinners. That we will love them, receive them, accept them, do time, do life, not time, hopefully, do life with them. <laughs> That we will find ourselves eating with them, blessing them, listening to them, serving them, sharing the gospel with them. I hope that we'll be those people. But just get ready. Religious people were not going to like it when you're all about Jesus and not about all the things that they're about. They want you to be about their theology. They want you to be about their doctrines. They want you to be about their practices and their programs. They want you to be about their church building and their church and all the things that their church is doing. John 12. I want want us to really hear this carefully. Y'all with me say, oh yeah. Because this is us. This is more us than the Pharisees. We have not connected with the Pharisees as we've been talking. We've tried not to. Our past is the Pharisees. But we're about to talk about the disciples. These are the 12 
that in the last week before Jesus' crucifixion are found on the wrong side of this issue. This is us. This is you. Don't rule yourself out. This is you. If you're not going to be the one being passionate about and intimate with Jesus, if you're not going after him, that's not what you're about, then you're going to be about what the disciples were about. Look at what their response. John 12. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged of the money bag, he used, uh, to, help, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Man, we've talked about this. I'm not going to dwell on it, but we have been doing church for ourselves. We, we come here because of what we get. We don't come here because of who, who we get. We, we come here for what, for what we're going to receive, not for what we're, who we're going to receive. It's not about knowing him all the time. I hope that it's becoming progressively more that. But the truth is, this is the 12 disciples who are getting it wrong. And don't just, look, in case you just want to say, oh, yeah, but that's Judas, man. He's the betrayer. Go to Matthew's gospel and read the same story. The, Matthew is the one that confesses all the disciples. All the disciples said that this could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. They were all in the same boat. They made a, all the disciple elders got together in the church and said, you know, we, ought, we should have spent that money on something besides what that woman did with it. You know, we, should, we could have taken that and given money to the poor. We could have had a you know, mission program. Could have dug another water well. We could have gone and got another orphan. You know, pick your, pick your topic. Are those things bad? Okay. But that, those things flow out of passion for Christ, love for God that pours everything that we have in our possessions and our person out to him and for him. And we're not about build, digging water wells. If we go dig a water well, it's only because Christ is going to show himself through that. It's because we're going to get to know him in that process. If we're going to go to Uganda and adopt a, a child, which we have done as a gathering place, if we're going to do that, then we're going to do it because Christ is in that and he's going to show us himself in the process. And we might have to spend how long? Three months? <laughs> Almost. The KB spent in Uganda adopting a child. I'm sure she didn't have near the experience she thought she was going to have, but God was all over it. She came back a different person. We were different because of her experience and watching her do that. Okay, it's not the things that we do. But we're, we're disciples of Christ, and we think because we're the gathering place and we get it in some way that, that we're, we know what to do. And if you're pouring your passion out for Christ in a way that doesn't make sense to us, then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make fun of that, we're going to judge that, we're going to correct that. All right, listen, church. This past week, I had an encounter with, with, with two people, both of them gathering place people who are trying to walk with God, Working it out. I'm not judging. I just want to give you this example. One person was giving the other person the answers to the question they were asking instead of sending that person to Jesus to get their answer. Please don't do that. We don't have the answers. He does. They miss the opportunity to encounter Christ whenever we don't send them to Jesus first. Now, I'm not saying we never have an answer. You got, most of you know that, man, as you're praying and God gives you a word, you'll give it to somebody. Thank you. I do that too. We should do that. That's God. 
working in us to, to benefit somebody else. But please, let's go to Christ ourselves. Let's quit depending on other people. We need to quit experiencing God vicariously through somebody else. It's time for us to go meet him ourselves and realize he's there waiting for us and will accept us and he will speak to us. And you don't have to be a, a, a religious professional in order to hear from God. We all get that. I love that this woman went, but the disciples didn't think she was able to make a good decision, so they corrected her, and they were going to do some good works with that money, with that sacrifice, with that passionate offering that she gave to Jesus. You know, the same thing with a woman who came with a mite and gave her last mite. You know, it, all the rest of them were measuring, oh, how much should we give based on, okay, it's, this is probably more than most people give, and so I'm more spiritual, or this will be enough, or this is what we've committed to give through the years, or and she pours it all out. There's a difference. She doesn't, she's not worried about her stuff. Her possessions are his. I'm going to give whatever he leads me to give. Now, I want to look at Jesus' response and we're done. I hope you're getting this this morning. I hope you're feeling in your heart what it is the Lord is trying to say to us. Luke chapter 39, uh, chapter 7, I'm sorry, verses 39 to 48. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's do, let's do uh, John 12 first. Okay, so here's the one with uh, the, the disciples. So we just read the disciples. They said we could have said that. And, and Judas was wanting to keep the money, putting the money back. Jesus says this. Jesus said, leave her alone. <laughs> Stop. Dot, dot, dot. Get out of my business. Leave her alone. Let her work it out. It's good. She's starting from the right place. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. You see the difference? He's, he says, you're measuring ministry based on what you've seen me do with people rather than having a relationship with me and letting your ministry flow out of that. The rest is going to happen. You're going to have the poor with you forever. You focus on me. Build your intimacy with me. Let your passion be about me and the rest of it will happen. I love what he says to the Pharisee in chapter 7 of Luke. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will, you, will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. I love this. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with all, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Of course, that's a whole other story. We know what happens when Jesus forgives sins. Pharisees don't like that. But I want to stop here because this is the story. We're talking about this woman. 
in both cases, Mary and this, this, this prostitute were accepted by Jesus, and he stands in defense of them against his own disciples, first of all, well, yeah, first of all, in the beginning of the week, and then in the face of these Pharisees, he stands in defense of these women who are pouring out everything. And here's what he says, basically. This is authentic. This, this woman is broken. This woman has come to the end of herself. She is repenting. She's turning from sin and turning to me. I can do anything I want with somebody like that. I can fill her life with joy. I can fill her life with fulfillment. I can show her more of myself. And, and out of her is going to flow the right kind of river. It's a river of life that's going to go out into the community and it's going to transform lives. And people are going to come to know me rather than come to know that woman. You didn't think you needed forgiveness. You didn't think you had anything to forgive. You hadn't repented. You hadn't turned from anything. You're not turning to me. I, I can't do anything with it. I can't, nothing can flow out of a life when the water's not flowing in. And so he tells the woman, your sins are forgiven, go. Do we, you know, I love what Kobe prayed at the end of the last song. We are the poor and powerless. We are the lost and lonely. We are the, what was the first one to send? The, there's another lyric about us being sinners. Anyway, it was good. Good prayer, Kobe. Rewind. But it was good because we, we connect with sinners. We are the gathering place. We are, we are the notorious sinners gathering around Jesus to hear what he has to say. We are gathering around him. That's, that's it. We, we just want to be around him. We want to know him. We want to be overwhelmed by his character in such a way that it, that, that passion for him flows out of us. It's so evident in the community. I'm going to pray that we'll be those people. Father, you've given us a message today, this week, Lord, that I pray has reached our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you are changing our passion. And, Father, that uh, we will trust you to do that, to continue to do that, that we will not allow ourselves to be satisfied with something less than you. Father, I know that this, this message may not even make sense to some of us, maybe most of us. We're not really feeling what we're hearing. And I pray that you would that you would grab our hearts, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And that we would be more deeply in love with you and, and the service is over today. And Lord that, that passion would flow out into this community. I pray the same for Rustin. God that you would Make us people who are filled with you that our passion would flow out. For Wardville, yeah, I just pray that that passion would flow out of your people there who are loving you and coming to know you. And that people in the community that are, that are lost and lonely and poor and powerless in both of these communities. In our Alexander Pineville area and Rapids Parish, God, who are, who, who have, sought everything they can in life and come up empty that they would find your water flowing out of us and they would drink God let that happen so I pray in Jesus name